from the 915 to H-Town, from the Panhandle Plains to the Valley, and everywhere in between. This is the 5050 Podcast, powered by College Promoters USA. Join me, Hector Cano, as we cover the Texas high school club and college soccer landscape, along with an inside look at the college soccer recruiting scene. The 5050 Podcast is a platform about the people and for the people who are dedicated to the beautiful game. College Promoters USA, founded and located in San Antonio, operates as the only family-owned college recruiting company in Texas that brings a truly professional, local, and face-to-face approach to area high school student-athletes and their families. If your son or daughter is serious about college athletics, call them at 210-494-6363 or visit collegepromotersusa.com anytime. College Promoters USA, the best investment a parent can make in their high school student-athletes. Here we go. It's another edition of, it's a special edition of the 5050 Podcast, powered by College Promoters USA. College Promoters USA, they are America's premier college prep program and high school student-athlete marketing service since 1997. For those of you in the local San Antonio area, you can find them locally in the Ventura Plaza Shopping Center. You can also find them on social media, on Twitter at SATX Recruiting, as well as on Instagram at College Promoters USA. You can also find out more information on them on their website at collegepromotersusa.com. My next guest, I said this is a special uh, special edition, special episode of the 5050 podcast because anytime I can have somebody who's from my neck of the woods, from uh, the good old 915, the Sun City from El Paso, uh, it's a special day. So next guest is Coach Gibbs Keaton. He is the associate head women's soccer coach of the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Coach, how are you? Hey, what's up, Hector? How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Uh, blessed to have you here. Excited to have you here. The entire podcast team is excited to have you. Uh, hope you're ready to go. It's a 915 shout out. And I, I got a tattle on you before we start, man. You, uh, you're you hard to schedule. You're a busy guy. And <laughs> here you were, I got to tell everybody, trying to schedule the first one on Valentine's Day. And I was trying to be all macho over here. I was like, hey, Hey, you really want to go on Monday? And I was trying not to say it was Valentine's Day. And and it, it wasn't even my wife. It was my daughter, man. She just turned four and she'll find you. She'll come get you. She'll oh, come man. after you. But She'll get no over way, it. She'll get over it. it. There's no way we could miss Valentine's Day. So uh, sorry about all the scheduling mishaps. Then when, you, then when you got at me, it was even funnier. It was like national holiday. You were like, hey, hey, let's schedule on this day. And I was like, uh, in my head, I was like, Hector, you don't know this, but that's Texas Tech versus Texas basketball. Not a chance I'm missing that one. Then the next time it was Baylor, and I was like, not a chance I'm missing that either, man. (laughs) You got to keep up. It's not just soccer. You got to keep up with basketball, too. I have. I have. Let me get this right. I have an associate an associate head coach from a power five school telling me I'm hard to schedule. I I don't know. (laughs) Explain that one to me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, and if you didn't notice, I didn't say anything about soccer. For these scenarios, this was eight thirty is usually a good time to go. But it was like, hey, basketball, my daughter, those are priorities, right there. Right, right. No, no doubt, no doubt, coach. Yeah, no, I, I get you on that one. But uh, yeah, time, uh, time rests for no man, as they say, right? Or time <laughs> waits for no man, as they say, right? So, uh, um, so awesome, coach. Uh, thank you uh, again. Thank you to finally have you here. I know it took a. We had a couple of false starts, as you said, uh, but. Uh, now, nonetheless, we got you here. We're excited. We're ready to go. Um, 
But uh, I guess before we kind of dive in a little bit more into our Q&A, Coach, just briefly tell us, uh, you know, a little bit. I alluded to it briefly at the start, but tell us a little bit about just where are you from, where kind of where you've been and how you got here to this point. Yeah, I think it's really not to bore everybody. It's you've had really good guests on that can talk about their playing career and how they got to coaching. And, and my story is not exactly like that. I went to school at a Grand Canyon University, had a unique playing and and really some impact from the coach there uh, that transitioned me to want to coach. That was always what I wanted to do. And and uh, I had grown up watching Big 12 football, and my dad had went to the University of Oklahoma, and, and I just wanted that big college soccer experience. And I came here and just wanted to finish my school and potentially, you know, have a career that that included coaching on club nights and and uh, while I was in grad school, I met Coach Stone. I had to interview him for uh, one of my class assignments. So this is really cool. So our our former SWA, Dr. Judy Henry, was the teacher of the grad class. And she was like, you know, she proposed to the class, you can interview anybody. And I was like, hey, Judy, I want to interview the the soccer coach. And she's like, yeah, I can set it up. And I was like, what? You know, and, and I went in there and I don't know. I just didn't know anything about him. That was my first mistake. Very naive to walk in there. And, and I just drilled him on uh, his patented box formation that he played and, and why he was doing that. And we kind of hit it off. And, and I had been begging the previous guy that was here for a job and, and it didn't work out. And, and Tom right away with open arms, you know, we, we hit it off and we connected and, and I've been working for him ever since. And, and really, I've, I've cut my teeth here in West Texas at Texas Tech. And on top of that, I coach club soccer for the past 10 years as well. And that's been a blast. And I have to shout out my 98 boys team. I had the best players and parents anybody could ever ask for for their, for their first team. And, and that's how I got started. You know, long story short, um, th that's the direction it went. And I feel really blessed to have met Tom and, and to really have chose Texas Tech and to be a part of this community for – you know, a really, really long time. I'm not going to say how long it's been, but, but it's been fantastic. And, uh, you know, after, after the whole grad school deal, I was the volunteer for Tom and, and then I was the assistant coach and now I'm the associate head coach. And it's just been, been really, really awesome to, to climb the ladder that way and to work for somebody for the duration and to be here for the duration. I think it's, it's unique to me and, and I, I, I really like it. Yeah, you know, and I was gonna, I was gonna out you there and say just exactly how long you've been there, but uh, I'll be, I'll be, uh, unlike you, I'll be nice here. I won't come out, you know, <laughs> guns ablazing here. But uh, so, talk about your time there. You know, your kind of ascendancy there at Tech, from obviously from a volunteer assistant to assistant to now, you know, associate head. Um, what has that, from your perspective, um, for you know, for other coaches that are out there, other coaches that may be even interested, right, in kind of dipping their toes into the college game. What, what has that been like for you? Yeah, it's, I mean, the first thing is it's hard. Uh, and I'm, I'm the kind of guy I've always liked coaching and something else. So when I was the volunteer, it just worked out that I could support myself because I was teaching uh, senior junior, senior level classes at Texas tech. So it worked out that while I was the volunteer, which is, you know, very low paying and lots of hours, I was able to work, a really low hour, low time requirement job. And that allowed me the opportunity financially to really pursue my passion. And then from there, it's just about having the patience to understand that you got to be selfless. It's not really about you. It's not about, 
your coaching path, your coaching career. It's about the team. It's about what can you learn. It's about knowing what your role is. And I think that's where the trust was really built. You know, we, we coach female student athletes and Tom did take a chance in hiring me, but through the volunteer time period, that's when we were really, really getting to know each other and, and being able to trust each other and figure out what a day-to-day working environment would be like. So for me, I had like a four-year interview. Um, and during that time, the team was great. The student athletes were fantastic. And you talk about an ascendancy, the ascendancy of this program was projecting in such a positive direction. It was just amazing to be a part of it. It was just awesome. So is it easy to dip your toes in? No, you got to jump in and you got to sink and you got to swim and you got to tread water and you got to talk to those that you confide in and trust and they're your mentors and and you got to just be patient with the process. And I have been, and, and it's really for my family, for me, for hopefully the impact I've had on student athletes. It's been amazing. Awesome. So, you know, you know, coach, when I was in grad school, one of the things I studied that I placed, I had a heavy emphasis on was the studying the dynamics of, of coaching steps, right. And the, the, how the differences, the, how they can impact their, their student athletes, what would you say, you know, you kind of let us peek behind the curtain here a little bit, you know, working with Tom. And then also I know Nick Hellum, who came from this area, from the San Antonio area, uh, plus also just your support staff, the SAD and whatnot, just but particularly your coaching staff there. What would you say? What is that like in terms of how you all kind of balance each other out? Well, I think the first thing is when you're a head coach, you have to have so many different talents. And Tom, one of Tom's secret talents that nobody knows is he has an unbelievable hiring track of getting the right people. And you talked about Nick and, you know, really all of our support staff that have come in, that will come in. Anytime we've had a change, he's hit a home run. And, you know, what we need is to serve the student athletes and to serve Tom. And those are our main roles. And within that, there's so many different components and pieces to it. And I think like like Nick, Nick is great at challenging everybody. Nick is supremely talented in his tactical view of the game and the way he sees the game and the way the game should be played according to him. And I think every head coach needs that. And then where Tom has so many different hats to wear, I hope that I can fill some of the gaps in whether it's team related, training related, or even professionally related to make sure that everybody's on the right page moving forward with his vision since I've been here for so long and with his ambitions and goals. And, and you know, it's not what he's achieved because we're trying to progress forward. It's what we can achieve in the future uh, by following right. his lead. Right. And, you know, we've all played on a team. We've all been a part of a soccer team and, and being a part of the, the staff, it works the same way. We have to support each other. We have to be there for each other. And, and you know, I'm interested in, in what your graduate findings were. What kind of things did you learn in grad school that could help us too? Because I'm confident in our staff and our team's capacity, but what, what can you teach me from, from what you learned? Yeah, well, I'll share, uh, I'll share some of those offline with you because uh, <laughs> it's pretty in-depth, obviously. But, you know, just a little bit, uh, you know, what I can share on here is just that uh, what, what, was off, what was often found is the, the, the diversity 
is a, is a stronghold, right? The, mm-hmm. the meaning, and not just in terms of what they look like or what they sound like, the coaching staffs, but playing experiences, different positions, different parts, you know, different sizes of schools. Because I looked at it at different levels: professional, college, That's um, awesome. high school. Uh, so there's a ton. There's there's a ton there to unpack, but uh, obviously. Yeah, well, let me- the, yeah. Let me expand on that a little bit. So I, I, I think that's cool. And, you know, um, Tom never talks about it, but but he was a uh, forward at Duke, had the collegiate playing experience, scored a goal in the national championship, the game winner. You know, that's an incredible story. Nick, fantastic attacking player from England. So totally different mm-hmm. uh, perspective, playing experience. Right. And then me, I've always been obsessed with the defensive side of the game, um, you know, wanted to play holding mid at all times whenever wherever i could so you got three different really views of the game uh, which is awesome as far as being diverse of how we see the game and then you have different regions areas experiences colleges grad schools not grad school so so to just jump on that with you i totally agree and, and it's been it's been really it's been really a good deal for our team yeah yeah. And that's awesome. Usually when and when those coaching staffs can can, you know, just personality wise too, where they balance each other out and where they're different personality wise, I think that's when you have something special and that's where things take off. Right. That's where programs we talked about that ascendancy again. That's mm-hmm. that's when that's when they happen. So, yeah. So ton to, a ton to unpack there. But, yeah, we can talk more offline for sure. Um, so, coach, before we kind of look forward. Talk to us briefly, you know, every college coach that I've had on here recently, I've been asking them about the the season that was, right, 2021 and what was, you know, the, the longest college soccer season in, you know, in history, you know, in terms of on calendar from between the spring and then again right back at it in the fall and what was a very short, uh, you know, very short offseason, very short summer. Um, from your perspective, what were maybe some of the lessons learned there from you, the coaching staff and the players? Yeah, I, th- I think for everybody, it was it was difficult. It doesn't matter if you're a coach, what profession you're in, uh, what your job duties are. It's just it was extremely difficult. But to make it coaching related, I mean, where do you go? Where in this whole life experience is the chapter on coaching? in a pandemic or coaching, you know, fill in the blank during the COVID years or coaching when your fall and spring counts when you're not even sure if that's going to happen. So for all of that adversity from a coaching standpoint, what was most important was what the student athletes were going through. And we had no idea what they were going through because we were all experiencing it together at the same time. And that's a difficult thing to go through. And, um, for us, it was a refocus of how we can build and improve and be as relational and as service leaders as we can. And that was the reset for us. And, and that's what we learned. And for all the adversity that the team had to go through, you just continue. Even today, you continue to find out what a challenge it really was for the student athletes, how hard it was for the captains, how hard it was from those international players who their parents and other countries were dealing with it differently than we were in the United States, how it was for people that are in California as compared to the Texas kids, you know, those scenarios, we still continue to have a dialogue about and 
the best part about it was really figuring out how we can better serve everybody's needs. And I, I want to tell you about a tweet that I read today at the convention. I saw an outstanding um, presentation on Gen Z and, and the lady that gave the presentation, she was fantastic. And we had a, a lot of what she thought is how I really believe uh, we should be coaching and, and managing and helping our student athletes. And she tweeted this out and it, it just really, for me, hit home. And she said, uh, student athletes, check on your coaches. Student athletes, check on your administration and support staff. Uh, administration and support staff, check on your student athletes. Administration and support staff, check on your coaches. Coaches, check on your student athletes. And coaches, check on your administration and your support staff. I mean, it's such a two-way street to get out of this and, and make sure that we continue to improve on the relationships and the emphasis and how we can best help and be there for each other. And I just thought that tweet was perfect because it was hard for everybody in the athletic department. And we want to, we want to be there for the student athletes, but it's hard for our bosses. It's hard for their bosses. It's hard for the support staff and we all have to check on each other. And, and that's a good way to run a program. So I read that tweet today and, you know, I thought that was related to, to how we're, moving past, moving forward, and what things we should keep in mind and continue to expand on as we move forward. And we can't just forget that the pandemic is ending or it's having a residual effect. We got to take away the positives and, and keep them going. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the timing of that is the irony of that too, is it's so spot on just because in light of the, the recent events I know that definitely rocked the college soccer world last week, you know, with the passing of, you know, Stanford goalkeeper Katie Meyer. So mental, you know, the just we talk about the mental health piece and checking in on each other. Very vital, definitely vital. And that's one of those things that during the podcast, I mean, I mean, during the podcast, I'm sorry, during the pandemic that you're like, yeah, where do we go for this? Right. There is no playbook. There is no rule book. There is no regulation for this. There, there is no standard way. So yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. That's so spot on. Yeah. I mean, just take this example, take, take one, one of the things for me that was really crazy. And uh, one of the teams in our conference traveled, and they were on the bus and after their first trip, you know, they had some, positive tests or contact tracing, whatever they had, it's kind of irrelevant. But when that was told to me, I was like, Oh, we got to be really careful on the bus. Can you imagine how much team bonding goes on on the bus? <laughs> and then it was like, we have to be really careful at dinner. We got to get our meals, go to our rooms. And it's like, man, right. we're just trying to be safe, but we're missing the team unity yeah. on the bus at dinner. And it's just, it, it's a, there is no playbook, man. You just had to no, go through right. it and live right. it and do the best you could. Now, with that said, through this whole ordeal, your remaining players, your returning players that have gone through that together, I mean, how much when you, Tom, you know, Nick, you guys assess your your squad going forward, are they that much stronger? Are they that much tighter now because of this, having gone through this? Yeah, and it's just – it's not limited to just that too, right? If, if I'm telling you, like, we dissected and figured out areas of improvement, so now those resources are available, and the team needs to make sure that they're using these resources, whether it's nutritionists, uh, you know, our, 
our sports director, whatever it is, they need to continue to use these resources that we have pushing forward. And we, we know they're close together. We know that we came out the other side of this stronger. We know that we're a better team, but we expect all of our opponents to have the same thing to potentially come out the other side better. Mm -hmm. So we want to, we want to best utilize what we learn from it and not just be limited to, yeah, we grew stronger through and after, but how can we use that on the field? How can we use it to our advantage? And, right. and the unity piece is, is going to be stronger and make us stronger, but now it's really about the drive and excitement that you have. For a lot of the players, this is their first actual real spring. And the spring right. is a great development, competitive, build in your game game model, get better as we wait for the next arriving group to ensure that either they don't catch you or that you're creating a gap. Whatever it is, to take away a spring from our student athletes, that in and of itself was tough. So mm -hmm. the excitement, the drive that they have, now that we have a, a, our normal spring moving forward is just as much of a positive as how strong we grew together of pushing through the pandemic and coming out the other end of it. And, you know, that's what I'm excited for. I'm excited to watch them compete and, and get after it from that standpoint. So it's a perfect segue, Coach. Talk to me now about your spring. What is that, what is that looking like? I know you're right in the, kind of in the middle of it. What is that looking like? over the next couple of weeks and what have you guys been able to witness so far that you can share with me? Yeah. Well, what I can share and I won't totally expand is um, we needed to hit a bit of a reset button. And again, it's one of the things I think Tom's really good at when we need to hit that reset button, whatever it is, uh, we're pushing through it as a positive and we've done that and just practice and the things that we're doing before and after practice, some of the, team building that's not team building that we're just doing on Saturdays before or after practice. It's been immense. Mm -hmm. This has probably been in my long experience springs of coaching. This has been one of the most fun springs I've had. And I think that's one of the factors that you have to bring into the equation on the other side of what everybody's experienced. I'm not talking strictly about student athletes. As I referred to the tweet earlier, it's, it's everybody everybody's having fun. I feel like Nick's having a blast. The, the medical group's having a blast. The student athletes, when we're all having a blast are having fun and that piece to the equation for our spring, I can easily say it's the most fun spring I've had. And I think it's, you know, you can't just say that in lieu of not having development pieces and, and team improvements. And I think we're having that. We played one spring game and, and our opponent really pressed us and got after us. And I love that. And, and what our team showed was just composure, just composure to be who we are and to play through that and to believe in our ability to play through that. So now you're seeing the things I'm talking about are how we transcend the fund, the fun pieces to our spring into the competitive pieces. So I think those things are related right now. And filling in the gaps with the, the class that we have coming in, I couldn't be more excited for our incoming class. And so to be looking forward to that, knowing how good our team is getting right now, it, it's really just a good combination for this group of student athletes. How many more, uh, how many more games, how many more events do you have scheduled for this spring? Well, we played our, we played our first game and we have uh, four remaining games and um, we're traveling to Albuquerque, Houston and 
potentially Dallas for a makeup game. And then we've got another home game here. And each of those opponents are going to bring it. So we have a competitive schedule remaining. You know, the, the student-athletes are going on spring break next week. So they've got some time to themselves. They get to rest in time with family, friends, whatever they personally need. They get to do that for a week. And then we've got one week before we play. Uh, and that's going to be really fun. I, I like that challenge to say, hey, this is your this is your spring break. Be responsible knowing that from our last practice to our next potential playing opportunity is essentially two weeks. And we'll have you for four more practices during that period. So that in and of itself is, is really going to show some of the character of our team. Great. Great. So, you know, you talked about your, your future, your future incoming class, but I know part of that is also in the meantime, you know, the, the work never stops for, especially for a college coach on the recruiting front, you're attending showcases. I know you were just in, uh, you were just in Austin last weekend. Um, talk to us a bit about from a, from a PSA, right. From a prospective student athletes perspective, this, the parent parents that may be listening or other coaches, club coaches, high school coaches that need to hear this. You know, you attend, whether it's you, Nick, Tom, uh, you when you attend a showcase, what are maybe some of the things that you're looking for? What help them understand that a little bit? Yeah, I've hit on this a, a little bit in our in my definition of, of what's occurring with the team right now. But we have we have a lot of technical base found fundamental pieces that we're looking for at Texas tech. Like these are, these are must you, you have to have this. And, and one of those things is we're, we're always looking for players that have a great ball striking capacity. They can make the ball do whatever they would like it to do, whether that's bending driven, backspin, over distance, diagonal ball. It's not really related to uh, being position specific, but that's just one of the right. one of the Texas Tech DNA kind of requirements that we're looking for on the recruiting trail. And the next thing that I can say I'm personally looking for just in a showcase type environment, so so not a not necessarily a camp environment, is I want to see players that are playing with some personality. And to better define that, I want to see a high drive competitive players getting after it on the field, regardless of opponent, regardless of scoreline, regardless of conditions, they're loving the game. They're making the game tick. And there's no doubt that you can tell they're inspiring and motivating their teammates because they want to win. And those players are out there and they check a lot of boxes for, for our, all of our staff. Um, but but that is what I'm seeking, and you can see that. That's that's something that you go to a, a field, you can feel, you can see, and those are the types of players that were really – they're filling up or they have filled up our 22 class, and they are definitely filling up our 23 class, and that's exciting. Awesome. Great great info. Great, That's great insight right there. I like that, that ball striking capacity. I like that. That's good stuff. Um, so, Coach, I know, you know, I got to – I got to hit you with the obligatory, you know, El Paso shout out here. So um, talk about in your time, just from what you recall back from your high school days all the way to now, your time at, at Tech, um, there in the Plains, you know, the Panhandle out, you know, West Texas, far West Texas, El Paso, you know, talk about a little bit in terms of 
the talent in that in that area. Um, just what what you what you see, what you've seen, or when other people maybe other people find out you're from that area and they ask you about it. What's your take on that? I know you get to see it also from the club perspective a little bit. So uh, expand on that a little bit. Yeah, I think the first thing to know is um, I want to recruit somebody from El Paso. I want somebody from El Paso to be a Red Raider. And we've had a lot of really good recruiting dialogues with what I consider the best players from El Paso. And some early that maybe didn't progress developmentally to what we wanted. And maybe some late that became really big time college soccer players and some even within our conference. Um, so for me, that's one of my objectives. You know, I want to recruit my hometown and I want to make sure as I just kind of defined briefly with what I'm looking for, I want to make sure they're a right fit. I'm not just trying to get an El Paso kid to check a box because that could be self-serving and that's not right. what we're trying to do. You know, we want to make sure that they're improving our team and enhancing and, and falling in line with, with our goals and objectives. But to tell you a little bit about what I think of the El Paso landscape from playing high school and club there. And I had a great club coach named Jimmy Ryan, um, who's still coaching in El Paso. And, and uh, he hasn't hit me up in a long time. He needs to. But here's the deal. When you play in El Paso, it's much similar to Lubbock. And we're getting better at it. You know, we have FC Dallas West Texas here. And I think that our staff with FC Dallas West Texas and, and our closeness to Dallas really affords us this opportunity. But on our team, we were really good. We were the best in our age group. There were really only three good teams in El Paso. Um, they were all competitive. We beat them. We got to go to State Cup. And this is kind of where I, where I want to focus what I think El Paso and, and what some people need to know. When you get to State Cup, you're, you're playing the Texans. Back in the day, we were playing the Longhorns. We were playing Andromeda. And we could hang with some of those teams. But when it got to the knockout games, when it got to playing the Texans, playing the Longhorns, they would absolutely destroy us. And then you'd go back to El Paso and you're like, we're the best here. That's all that really matters. You know, there's some kids in Dallas that can beat us. There's some teams that are better in Dallas than us, but we needed to be in that environment every day. We really needed to be shown that beating the three best teams in El Paso is a great achievement but competing in Dallas, competing in Phoenix, competing in Houston on a day-to-day -day level is really what drives what a school like Texas Tech is looking for. And that's not limited to, to what potential student-athletes from any anywhere could go. Right. But that's that was, for me, the one big consideration is you get done with high school and you get done with club and you've lived on this island where you're only really competing against good teams at State Cup at that time, there was no ECNL or Academy League or anything like that. It was just State Cup and ODP. And then you get to college, and as soon as I got to college, I'm on the bottom of the roster, and I'm like, hold on a second. How did this happen? And so what I think we've transcended here in Lubbock is now we're competing in Dallas all the time, and we understand how the leagues work. We understand that when we compete in Lake Highlands Classic League 1, there's still – one, two, three leagues that are potentially better than us. And we help promote our top players that can, again, enhance those teams to compete against those teams on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's the direction that El Paso is going. They're doing a really good job of promoting the top kids. And on the guy side, especially, you know, they're, they're sending 
nationally recognized, national goal scorers, full team players to FC Dallas. And that's great. But where I think I would be constructively critical is you need that day-to-day competition. Mm -hmm. You need the day-to-day structure. The clubs are improving. Clubs are getting better. You have more direction. But they need to be able to compete in a league every single weekend that's competitive. And it can't just be sending pieces of the puzzle to compete on other teams. And and I think everybody, you know, I think a lot of non-rural areas or a lot of rural areas, non-urban areas are trying to get over that hurdle and, and that, that speed bump. And, and so I look forward to their progression. I think they're still progressing and it's a difficult market is what I've learned. Um, but it, it can be done and, and I will continue to recruit the area because it has been done. So as I criticize, I want to make sure I give compliments because it's been done there and we've seen great guys and girls soccer players from El Paso. Yeah. Thoughts on, I don't know how much you follow it, if at all. I know we hit on club, but thoughts on what you've seen, maybe what you've noticed regarding Texas high school soccer in maybe the, the last couple of years. Yeah. The, in Lubbock, Texas, I couldn't be more proud of the commitment for our club coaches and high school coaches to work together. Awesome. I would say that in every single high school, uh, we have a soccer coach that wants to coach soccer, that's qualified to coach soccer, and that is improving student athletes in a variety of ways, not just their technical development, but their tactical understanding because they're very likely playing in different systems in high school. And because of that, it's what this area needs. So answering your question specific to Lubbock, high school soccer is fun to go watch. Our players need as many touches as they can get, but with professional coaches, with people that love soccer, with people that know the game, with people that are guiding them, with coaches that understand the game. And that's how we kind of bridge the gap and get closer to, you know, you can't always compare it to the Dallas market. It's one of the best markets in the country, if not the best uh, on any given year. And with the assistance of high school coaches, we are capable of developing players that are that are contributing in, in some of the bigger leagues in Dallas. So I really enjoyed our high school soccer here. I can't say that I've I've gotten out much um, to go watch too many Dallas high school soccer, uh, South Texas high school soccer, uh, but I did just go uh, two weeks ago to a high school game for you know obviously a player that we're gonna recruit in the future and and it was organized and they were playing and they were getting after it and. And the coaches were out there coaching away. So I enjoyed that as well. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the things I've been hitting on and speaking with for our listeners. I make it a point of emphasis, but because so many of our college coaches as of late, I've, I've mentioned it to them and they've, or, or they've mentioned it before is the, one of the things I've really noticed it over the course of the pandemic is how many, contrary to the popular belief, how many college coaches or maybe not your power fives of the world, but how many college coaches are actually attending high school soccer games. So it, it would be far more, it, it's far more than I think what people are led to believe on the versus the club side. So, yeah, it's related to other sports though. I think that, that that's the reason why is you're a basketball college coach. You're a football college coach. You know, you're 
watching tons of film and going to the high school and it's one game on the soccer side. We go to these showcases and events. We're watching games from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. And there's just value to that and getting to watch kids in the high school environment. You just got to shape what that value is different than club. And, and that's playing against players that are older. And that's, there is a buzz around high school soccer for the student athletes. And we love that, you know, we want to see that too. And, and there are more student athletes playing high school soccer than there was three years ago as well. And that's an important piece of the puzzle too. So I, I, I've enjoyed it here. Um, we're never shying away from going to a high school game when we have the opportunity Playoffs are coming up. Uh, we'll be in attendance, and and we have been known to come to the to the games in the Metroplex for for big playoff games as well. And even I think even we've been to Colorado to go watch some of the high school um, playoff games because they occur uh, late spring. So even even after your high school season, yeah, my old stomping grounds up in Colorado. So yeah. uh, you got so a lot of stomping grounds, I think. Uh, yeah, well, hey, that's part of the military life, my man. So that's how it Ex goes. <laughs> exactly. It's you're making me look bad. We won't talk about how long I've been in love. Just, we, we won't talk about Bruno, and we won't talk about how long I've been here. There we go. Awesome. All right. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. So for for our uh, so for our, our recruits coach that may be listening, you know, there maybe it's a 2024, a 2025, what have you, whatever, uh, or even a parent that may be listening, right? Or young coach, uh, high school coach, a club coach. Why should they maybe consider Texas Tech? You know, why Tech? Yeah, I think first, as as long as they're not considering schools like Michigan State and other, you know, people we recruit against, that's that's the first step. They should absolutely be interested in us. Uh, but Texas Tech has this appeal. If you turn on the TV right now, you'll see Texas Tech basketball, 14-point lead against Iowa State. They're getting national recognition from what our basketball program is doing. I didn't want to miss your podcast just for the experience of going to the basketball game. I had to go to the game. I had to swag surf. I had to be a part of it. I had to be a part of the vibe. If you don't know what that is, you got to look it up. You got to go to YouTube. It's amazing, but it's all related to the appeal of Texas tech. It's this unbelievable athletic department atmosphere, football games. Awesome. Baseball games. Amazing. Women's basketball on the way up, just as good as the guys game as far as fun and being there and be, being a part of the ambiance. Same thing with soccer. Great game day atmosphere. Unbelievable competitive environment. And the whole thing is we're wrapped up in an amazing West Texas college town. Everything here is Texas Tech. And, and maybe I shouldn't have used the word town. That was probably when I first got here. An unbelievable college city because now we have 250,000 people. Everybody cares about Texas Tech and te Texas Tech athletics. And it just creates a great college experience. And it's not just that's not limited to student athletes. You come to Texas Tech as a student, you're having a great college experience. It's really exceptional. And, and I think one of the things I'll tell you is, is where we benefit in some of the top recruits that we've got is they really don't know what to expect when they get to Lubbock. And I think that's the tell. Like, what, what is Lubbock? Like, Google Lubbock, and you're just not really sure. And then you land in our airport that's 10 minutes away. You get to campus that has this great architectural theme that's absolutely an oasis in the middle of West Texas. 
And then every single person you're questioning, like, is that guy an actor? Like, did they put that person here? They're so friendly. Why, why is that mom opening the door for me? Like, why are, why are they stopping to help us or wave to us? Why is everybody giving us a guns up when we're at lunch, just off campus and you, you can't believe it. And that helps us so much because recruiting isn't just one person recruiting isn't just texas tech recruiting isn't just our facilities but now it's it's got to be all encompassing it's got to be everything so that is the appeal um you know you top that off with a a great academics offerings from our university um really people that care about what our student athletes have from an academic standpoint and the resources that they get to come and have their own academic center, their own iPad, and, and really one of the long-standing greatest coaches in college soccer and professional soccer. That's the appeal to Texas Tech. Awesome. Well said. Great stuff. So a bit of breaking news here. Coach uh, Coach Keaton missed the uh, basketball game just so he could be on the 50-50 podcast. That's dedication right there, Coach. I love that. I love that. I'm just a little secret. It's on right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, but you're not in there. You're not in the house. Though. Yeah, exactly. That's, you're that's right. What that's what I'm getting at. So, yeah, I, I can tell when you get distracted. So, I might sneak, <laughs> I might sneak a quick one in if you're not listening. So, all right. So, all right, Coach, we start to transition here a little bit. Um, what has you, between what you've seen this spring, what you expect to see this spring, incoming class this fall or, you know, over the summer, what has you excited about the program's future? The first thing is that we get a chance to compete again. You know, we, we enjoyed our last fall and we had a really good record, but every person that's here, every person that's coming in is hungry for what this fall is going to bring to the table. And in saying that, I think that we have a structured desire of how we need to improve, what we need to improve, and what everybody can do, whether they're here or not, to help that cause. And to get back to non-conference play, we just had our schedule finalized. We have great travel trips. We have great teams coming in. That sparks the excitement. But looking forward to getting into the Big 12 having another shot at the Big 12, playing teams that we know are talented and we want to compete with and we want to shine and playing teams that want another shot at us. That's really what we're looking forward to. And I just feel like this group is coming together and I want to remove the pandemic out of it because our recruits are coming together in their own way. And our team is coming together in their own way. And that coming together has already started happening even before they arrive on campus. And that just makes us, I mean, what college coach is not excited for the fall to come up? And so I think everybody's ready for that. And we've got a long way to go before we get there. And we've got a lot of time where we're focusing on what we need to do right now in the current. But yeah, look forward to that fall competition again. What would you say is the biggest misconception about playing coaching in the Big 12? Maybe maybe what people think versus, you know, a misconception versus what it is. 
Well, I, I think coaching in general, um, this maybe gives me a little bit of time to better answer your question. Just I think the biggest misconception is how much people think we get to coach in our actual occupational job. It's like the lowest percentage of what we do. You know, we see the student athletes in the fall for approximately two hours a day. Then we travel with them. Then we compete. And then outside of that, we have so much additional time on task things to do and, and get done for the travel or for the year or for whatever's coming up. And I, I think for the big 12, you know, I'm going to hit on it cause I want to, but one of the misconceptions is maybe that in women's soccer, um, the league might fluctuate with teams coming in and leaving, but I I'll say specifically, I, I think our conference as a soccer conference, is going to get a lot better with all the teams that we have coming in. I think it's going to be challenging. I think they're going to have different styles of play. I think we'll be one of, this is probably the best answer to your question. We're probably one of the leagues with the most variety of styles of play. You know, I think you see a lot of similarities in the Pac-12. Of course, there are some teams that don't possess as much as others, but most of that conference is possession-based. And the Big 12 has a variety of styles of play. And we're adding to the styles of play variation with the teams that we're adding. And it's going to be it's going to be an incredible conference. It's going to be really awesome. Great stuff. Good stuff. Thank you for sharing that. So, all right, last one here, Coach. I'm going to put you on the spot. So the 2022 season will be a six. Finish this sentence. The 2022 season will be a success if – yeah, loaded, loaded question, right? The you can maybe hit one. You can maybe hit on one, one thing, maybe. No, it, I, I got you. We're good. I'm, I'm gonna be politically correct here too, because you know, there's, there's no wood around me. I can't knock on wood right now. Uh, it'll be a success if we have improvements from our previous year, and, and we're seeking that, not just in our record, not just in our goals and goals against, but in all facets of our program you know we want to we want to get better relationally we want to get better in the mental capacity we want to get better in the weight room and and i think if we can have improvements i think it's a reachable goal to have improvements in all of those areas and that will lead to to the success that we really want pushing forward into our next fall season well well said no that was a good answer good answer so all right coach we know you're gonna you got to okay. fill all those buckets. That's that's where the improvements are required for success for us. We're trying to fill all the buckets right absolutely. now. Absolutely, absolutely. So well said. All right, coach. We know you're gonna uh, you're gonna stick around with us for a second segment. So don't go anywhere. For our listeners, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor, College Promoters USA. Founded and located in San Antonio, operates as the only family-owned college recruiting company in Texas that brings a truly professional, local, and face-to-face approach to area high school student-athletes and their families. If your son or daughter is serious about college athletics, call them at 210-494-6363 or visit collegepromotersusa.com anytime. College Promoters USA the best investment a parent can make in their high school student athletes. And we're back with Coach Gibbs Keaton, the associate head women's soccer coach of the Texas Tech Red Raiders. All right, Coach, it is time to pick on you a little bit, throw some random off-the-wall questions, see how well you do. You ready? I stay ready. 
<laughs> All right. All right. So first one, right? And now these are as a coach, not as a player. Okay. So any game day superstitions or rituals? Yeah, there, there's two things I got to do. And, and this is just to clear my own head. I got to get that game day run in. That's a must. And I've got a pretty good record of at home. When I get the run in, we usually win. Um, nice. I've missed some for, for weather, weather related and, and maybe we didn't win out there. Um, but the other thing is too, and I love doing this and, uh, it, it does allow me to play the game in my head, allow me to focus on what my roles and responsibilities for the student athletes, for Tom, for Nick, for whatever are going to occur before the game, going through what the opponent might do, what I think their sub rotation will be, what formation I think they will come in with the right amount of time before the game. I enjoy going out there and setting up all of the warm up before the game. And I want to be competitive about it. I want to make my dang cone line straight. And I want all of our cones to be out there before whoever we're playing. And that's, that's home and on the road. So maybe we don't share that too much with, with the teams we play, but I, I do have that ritual that I enjoy the time to myself to be on the field, to set the field up and just to do those final pieces of preparation on game day. I love it. I absolutely mm -hmm. love it. It's even a little time for prayer before the game. And it's just, it just brings you into the full experience. And then that's when you get to rub your hands together and say, I'm ready. Our team's ready. Let's go. So that, that's one of my rituals. Yeah, had that that came up actually with a few episodes back with Coach uh, Lance Key from Harden Simmons. I, I love I love being the first guy out there, you know, being the first person out there for setup. It just it's something about it that I think it's just I don't know. It's call it just kind of spiritual, relaxing, helps with the visualization. I love that. Yeah, I, but yeah. you know, I I don't think there's a lot of people that like putting cones down, but it's actually like it's it's just a little bit of meditation. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next one, coach, uh, a song that describes you. You have to pick a song that describes you. Oh man. Everybody that watches and knows me is going to probably go straight to Pitbull. Cause I, I, I fancy a little Mr. Worldwide all the time when it's, when, when it's good times, when it's bad times, when it's vacation time, when it's whatever. So I would say that's a vibe, so it's not just one song. I'll go anything of the Spotify, Pandora, put it on your playlist. Anything Pitbull is going to pop it off for me, and and generally it's pretty appropriate. So it, it's it's not too terrible music as far as language and and themes, and it's got a it's got a catchy little beat to it. All right, all right, good. All right, next one. Uh, are you a emo emoji guy, a GIF guy, or both? Man, I'm. <laughs> I like a good GIF. I like receiving a good GIF that'll kind of crack you up and be like, "Man, where did you get that one?" And then just depositing that in your coaching bank to get after a player at the appropriate time when they're trying to pop off in text messages. But I would say, I'm personally this is this is old school and this is just kind of funny. But I love just just give me like the semicolon and the parentheses. Mm -hmm. Give me the colon and the parentheses. Give me a smiley face, a winky face like that, and I'm good. It, and the reason for that, there's a little to that, is my mom would always like sign a card with a smiley face. So I would just always put it in the text. And now my thumbs are just like always ending in, 
in a colon and parenthesis or a semicolon and parenthesis. That's just been how I end a lot of texts. So mine's neither. Is that an acceptable answer? Yeah. Hey, you're giving a shout out to mom. Yeah. I'm not going to argue with that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, next one. Something you wish you would have been told prior to entering coaching. The uh, Yeah. I, I think the, <laughs> this is funny because uh, I don't know. I, you probably do know because you, you were at Air Force for a little while. Do you know Bill Hempen? I yes, I yes yeah, I do. So Bill is yeah. one of my favorite OG guys. There's there's a whole group of OG guys, and and yeah. Bill's one of my favorite ones. And I was talking to him at camp. I worked the CU camp while he was there, and he was exceptional. And I was like, Bill, uh, do you think I should you know pursue this and follow my goals? And and he was like, Gibbs, you got to think long and hard about this because whatever you think it is, it's ten times harder. So I actually wish that he would have said it's 20 times harder because, <laughs> because not only was he right, but there was even a, he was even buffering it a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. But, but just as far as coaching, I, I want to be specific to, to maybe any uh, of the young coaches, maybe any of the, of the younger aspiring coaches that are listening to is it's, it's not all about having a hundred really good sessions, man. I really am a believer and have a dozen sessions that you can manipulate to meet any topic specific to game model or what you're coaching or high drive competitive, or even if the day is, I'm not going to coach a lot. I'm just going to let you guys go through these activities. Uh, you know, I think that's so important. It's, it's not trying to have a hundred sessions in your, your coaching reservoir. And, and it's more important, pick up a book, follow some coaches you know I, I feel bad for these young coaches that never got to see sir alex ferguson do his thing for such a long time so find a coach you love and and, and be a fanatic for the coach too yeah well said yeah definitely well said i've seen some uh i've seen some phenomenal sessions on paper where there was zero connection with uh with players on the field as the session was being played out, you know? So, right. so yeah, it's well said. Yeah. All right. Next one, coach hidden talent, maybe a talent, not too many people know. Okay. No, I'm going to, you put me on the spot, but I got answers for you, man. I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you, Hey, we, we, don't, uh, we don't mess around here. We just worked uh, an ID camp and one of the girls was sitting next to me and I, I whistled and she goes, Oh, you have, the perfect coach's whistle. So I, I don't know if you know this, but Phil Jackson has always had like the lot, like that guy can, you could hear him on TV. You'd see him put his fingers in his mouth and you'd be covering your ears. Uh, but I have a whistle that sounds like a whistle. That's very El Paso of me. And that <laughs> as related to this podcast and, yeah. and coaching and soccer, if there's any weaker of a hidden talent, that's it, man. But I got it. And it's specific yeah. to my job and yeah. it gets people's attention. And, and so it works. So more breaking news on the podcast. Uh, Gibbs Keaton is a, a strong number two behind Phil Jackson on the all time coaching whistle list. So that's awesome. Good stuff. Hey, let's, let's right. start that list, man. That's a good right. one. Hey. hey, it's a fact. We just made it up. It's a fact. All right. So, all right, coach, next one, favorite movie quote that, that you can share. Favorite movie quote? Oh, yikes. Yikes, man. If we're, 
the I could do I could do a humorous one that's probably probably not appropriate for right now. So we'll skip over uh, Boondock Saints because that's probably one of my favorite all time quotes movie. when when the when the guy forgets the rope. We'll just leave it right there. <laughs> yeah, a, good movie. Good movie. A funny piece of the puzzle. Um, I don't know. I I don't. I'm I'm not a quoter. I'm not a song memorizer. I'm not an artist memorizer. That's that's my weakest trait. But uh, but yeah, let's go. Let's go. Top movies. If I had to pick a quote from from a movie, um, Top Gun. That'd be a good one. Blindside. That'd be a good one okay. related related to coaching. So maybe maybe something in there. Okay. All right. All right. So all right. Here's the next one. So this one's gonna get a little deep on you. So. You are appointed the soccer czar in America. Oh, all right, today. To political. All right, so tomorrow, tomorrow, your first agenda item. What what would be the first item you would change in soccer in America tomorrow? <laughs> I, I hope you're gonna laugh with me. One of my pet peeves of soccer, and, and really, this this is mostly. Um, from the youth soccer, but it happens at the collegiate level too. When a player gets injured, referee whistles and looks at you and says, hey, you can come on the field. And every single time they look at the coach to come on the field, I'm like, man, what do you want me to do? Like, I'm not sure I can help the injured player much more than carry them off. And I'm always happy to provide an assist and carrying them off. And I'm so thankful for our medical team at the collegiate level. But I think in the youth game, when they whistle to the coach, like I, I honestly, when there's an injury, I want to go out on the field and coach because it's like a timeout. It gives us, I think Southampton, Southampton's been doing it in the 60th minute of every game, faking an injury so they can have some coaching points going on out there. So that's what I try to use that time for. So I think that there should be a designated trainer at every single field so a coach can be allowed to, of course, check on the health of the player. Right. Coach's team, as the trainer, can look at the injured player. I, I think that would that would definitely be the first thing I would do. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. no, that's, a, that's actually a very valid, very valid point on multiple levels. You know, just from a, you know, you talk about just from the concussion piece, the, the sudden cardiac, sudden cardiac piece, you know, all of that. Yeah. Let's solve that. Let's put a trainer at every field or or nearby, right? One one trainer yeah. anyway. We could probably solve it. But there you go. <laughs> All right. All right. Next one. All right. Here's another movie one for you. Uh oh. Who would play? Who would play you in a movie? They're making the uh the life uh the life of Gibbs Keaton. Who's who's playing him? Man, it, <laughs> if if you would ask Tom that, it'd be a punch from Chips. He wants me to dress up. He wants me to dress up like that guy <laughs> every single Halloween. And I want to do it too. Who doesn't want to wear uh, you know, California Highway Patrol motorcycle helmet? Those things are cool. Yeah. Um, but you know, obviously it'd have to be somebody super handsome, you know, probably in, in the playing days, Brad Pitt would be a good fill-in for me. Oh, that'd be a good body good double. Man. Good yeah, he'd, he'd be a good body double for for some of the scenes that would be dangerous, the high speed car chases. There you go. All right. So Brad Pitt, it is. All right. So next one. In three words, three words. How would your players describe you? Uh, 
Oh man, should should we ask them? I think they would say. Uh, what, what what are the common ones you've probably heard enough? We're, we're going attributes here, or we got to put it in in some form of uh, no attributes is fine. Attributes is fine. <laughs> I, I think they'd say intense, fun, and balanced. Like that, yeah. I I provide that. If when it's time to be intense, when it's time to be fun, when you need that ice breaking moment, when it's too intense. When you need to be back on track when it's too fun and when you have a high-energy coach for 90 minutes, sometimes I can provide that balance for them too on game day and the, the same thing for the referee. All right. There you go. That's a good one. I like that. Bucket list destination before it's all said and done. Oh, this needs to happen soon, but I got to take, take a family trip that leads to a boys' trip I got to go to Old Trafford. I got to go to the Theater of Dreams. I, I just need to watch a game there. It's so much more than just visiting. I wanted to do it really bad because um, Ronaldo coming back to United was such a big deal. It's a massive deal if you're growing up as a United fan. But just with the, the pandemic scenarios, couldn't get there. But I have to go there. Uh, absolute must for me. And I'm sure you get a lot of soccer answers, but that is, that is number one on the list. ASAP, maybe 2022, hopefully 2023 sometime soon. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually not the first time I've, I've heard that one, the, you know, the theater of dreams as far as a bucket list. So, you know, I'm sorry to hear that, you know, very unfortunate on my end, but uh, Hey, it is what it is. So, but who who are you? This is a perfect segue to the next one though, coach. All right, so all right, we've clearly established your favorite team, but I like to ask the opposite. What least favorite team? What is your least favorite team? You're talking about right now or forever? Uh, <laughs> right now, or <laughs> right now, Man City absolutely just destroying all of our joy. They are so much better than us for an extended period of time. But growing up in the rivalries and watching, it was. It, it's really changed because uh, it was previously Chelsea, man. Just couldn't stand mm. Rogba, couldn't stand John Terry, couldn't stand anything about Chelsea, couldn't stand their owner, couldn't stand their coaches. Now I like Tuchel. Now I obviously like Pulisic. So it's a, a little bit less sway towards Chelsea. And I just cannot take the demolition of Manchester city every single time we play them. They just, they got it going on and it's been that way. And the only thing that saves it for me is, is uh, one of our former players plays there. So I, I can at least say that, Hey, because she's there, it makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny, something I'll mention just because I shared, I was actually looking, trying to find it on my phone, but I shared this the other day with a buddy of mine. The, uh, I don't know if you came across this stat, they said that in the final, I think the final 15 minutes of one that last match where they played each other, Man U and Man City. Don't say it. Stop. The, I already uh, know. Don't tell me. 92% to 8% possession. I was like, wow. Wow. Yes. I was like, I, I thought that was a typo. I seriously thought that was a typo. So, and then yeah. I saw the game and then I saw the match later on replay and I said, never mind. So, that, that just becomes hashtag goals for Texas Tech soccer. So, <laughs> That's how we that's how we take that stat. We take that stat in and we try to achieve that. There you go. I like good recovery. Good recovery. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> I just thought I'd remind you of that. So yeah, being thank you. appreciate so, I'm a Liverpool guy, coach. So so yeah. every everybody at Texas Tech is Liverpool, man. 
hey, they got good taste. I don't know what happened to you. You got left. You missed the train, I guess. Apparently, so. I think just just one guy came here. The uh, current head coach at Elon, great guy, except for he was a Liverpool fan, and he convinced everybody else to become Liverpool fans right before Klopp even got there. And I'm like, guys, they were not good until Klopp got there. So why are you trying to claim that? Oh, oh they, yeah. they were never good, huh? They were never good. No, oh, absolutely Ir- irrelevant. Uh, all right. Now you get Klopp and it's on. We're moving on. We're moving on from this one. All right. So three songs, three songs in your playlist right now. Ooh. Any random three. Okay. So just on the way over here, because of the Super Bowl, I've been all Dre, Tupac, Snoop. It's bad, but hey, it just happened in the Super Bowl. So it was just uh, Dre 2001 was on. Uh, We did dance party to Despacito. And then um, probably because we're going to concert this weekend, I had, and this shows my range of music. I had a little Cody Johnson on um, this afternoon as well. So. There you go. Yeah, that is yeah. a pretty good. That is a pretty good range. So yeah, all um, right. We're we're going to that concert, so it's about to it's about to be awesome. There you go. All right, awesome. Last one, coach. You've made it this far. You're almost. We're almost there. All right. So this one's a deep one, kind of a philosophical, reflective one. So, uh, what's a a particular lesson that you've learned that resonates with you that you take from from the pandemic? I think it hits on the the value of time within relationships. Um, there's always time to be with your family, to be with your friends, to be with each other, to be with your team, but you got to carve that out. So, so one of the things that I, you know, we talked about two way street kind of relationships when I referenced that tweet earlier, but one of the things I don't like is like, I, I, I gave a little cut down earlier. This is the way it works too. The guy at Michigan State, his name is Gabe. He's the assistant coach there. And he he never calls me. He never, ever calls me. I always have to call him. But I can't stand, and I got to live by this, and this goes to the value of time within the pandemic to, to have times for to, – to make time for these relationships. You can't complain about saying somebody never calls you you can just pick up the phone and call them yourself. It's the exact same difference. If you want to talk to somebody, pick up the phone, call them, buy the airplane ticket, go and visit them. And, uh, you know, it's funny. We were just talking about Cody Johnson, but that's one of his songs. Tell you can't, and you got to do that. How can you not understand and have a better perspective on life about the relationships that are important to you? to not seek out and connect, make those connections. So yeah, even though I gave a little cheap shot to Gabe there, it's not about who's calling you. Just be the bigger person. If you want to see somebody, connect with them, you call them, you go see them, you be the one that's in charge of that time. So I would say that's where my answer would trend towards all things considered within the pandemic. Good stuff. Thank you for sharing that one. So he is Gibbs Keaton, the uh, associate head women's soccer coach of the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Um, coach, this is uh, this has been awesome. This has it, been great. Had a good time. Is this uh, my turn? Can I can I do one one thing for for you? Because we were talking about this. It was. The, oh, yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. It was the ORU coach Wes, who's awesome, and and Gabe was on the group text, and we all kind of think that Hector, if you uh need to retire, and we talked about body doubles and and fill ins and things like that, you're essentially the Joe Rogan of soccer, man. <laughs> if you need to fill in for him on Spotify, that's your retirement job. You got the voice, the looks. Your beard is actually probably edged up better than his beard. Um, from this from this far up, you got the muscles. I mean, have you ever thought of that, thought about that? You could. You uh, I'll, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'm cracking up because so uh, my office my office mate right there at uh, at my school, uh, who's also the you know he's assistant AD and the head uh, our head baseball coach. He he has a nickname for me that's Joe Rogan related, so I'll I'll mention that one to you offline because it's it's hilarious. It's funny you mentioned that, yeah. but uh, now I uh, this has been great. You know I, I really appreciate having you on. Uh, we made all kinds of breaking news uh, today here from you know the fifty fifty podcast trumps you know Texas Tech men's basketball games to yeah. you know to you know Brad Pitt is a sufficient uh, body double for Eaton to. Apparently, I'm the Joe Rogan of soccer, so I really appreciate all of that. You know, it's been great. I have loved having you on. Great energy. I wouldn't expect anything less from a, a fellow, uh, you know, a fellow El Paso boy, so I appreciate that, Coach. Um, but before we go, any just any final words, shout-outs, anything you wanted to share before, uh, before we call it quits? Uh, I think we got to do this because everybody from, from the 915 – Deserves a little shout out here. So, are you a what's your Chico's order, man? Oh, mine, my my go to. It's pretty standard. It's it's the double with an order of fries, you know, and a and a, what is it? A, I think a Coke, Coke, whatever, you know, regular yeah. the regular size Coke, you know. So I feel you. See, we got to shout out Chico's a little bit, man. Yeah, it's pretty standard, you know, or their hamburger, which we all know is really a hot dog, right? In a in a hamburger, right? Or what they call the hot dog, right? Yeah, every time, man. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm getting one of those and splitting it with somebody. So I feel yeah. you on that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was nice. I got my fair share of it while, you know, while I was living in El Paso the last, you know, having moved back, I got, uh, I, I think it was, it was Chico's overload. I think probably the first three, four months I was there. And then after that, my wife was kind of like, all right, let's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, Let's cut back a little bit. You're doing better than me because my wife still hasn't had it. She she refuses that government cheese, but I told her it's good for her. <laughs> you know, but I will say this though. I will say this. There, um, the rumor has it that they've done something different. I don't know if it's the sauce or the cheese, but it's it is. I will say I feel that it is kind of different from probably when you and I were in high school, when you and I were living there for sure. Cause it, I noticed it. Something, something's not quite the same, you know? So I don't know. I don't that know. Profit margin. They figured out how to make even more money. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's still cash only, man. It's still cash only. <laughs> it's still cash only. So awesome. Well, coach, thank you again. We appreciate you. We wish, you know, we wish you, we wish the coaching staff and, uh, the the girls there at the uh, Texas Tech women's soccer wish you all nothing but the absolute best with uh, your remaining spring season and this fall. Uh, thank you again. Uh, have loved having you on. Loved your energy. Um, and for our listeners, you know what to do. Uh, you're the reason why we do it. Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. Um, again, you can find us on social media. Uh, you can also find us on YouTube, and we'll cover that a little bit in our outro. 
But until the next time, keep downloading and keep listening. You've been listening to the 5050 podcast presented by Physical Athletics. Help us continue to grow by liking, rating, and subscribing on all major podcast platforms. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at 50 underscore 50 pod and at Coach H. Cano, as well as on Instagram at 50 underscore 50 podcast. Until the next time, keep downloading and keep listening.